It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Good evening, everybody. This is Colonel Retired John Mills on the National Security Hour, the National Security Hour uh, on the America Out Loud News Network. And I, I am really, uh, I'm honored and excited. We just have a wonderful, wonderful guest tonight, Lady Brigitte Gabrielle. Uh, and uh, it's just, uh, we've just been really looking forward to this. So we're going to talk with her on a number of topics here. But uh, uh, Lady Brigitte, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Colonel. I'm delighted to be with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you, you've been a real compelling figure for, 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 for several years and become you've become quite famous and uh, well-known. Um, so I always like to, uh, but people may not know some of, the, some, some of the other things. Tell us a little bit about your, your kind of your story to where uh, you uh, where we're at today. Thank you, uh, John. Well, um, you know, people ask me all the time, Brigitte, you're so passionate when we hear you speak about national security issue. Where does this passion comes from? We just love, we can hear the fire. And I tell them, you know, my story started in Lebanon. I was born and raised in Lebanon, which used to be the only majority Christian country in the Middle East. John, most people do not know that. Most people look at Lebanon today and they think, oh, it's a terrorist hellhole, you know, as President Trump likes to call those countries. Um, but Lebanon, the country I was born into, used to be Paris of the Middle East. We were majority Christian. We were open-minded. We were fair. We were tolerant. We were multicultural. Um, we actually prided ourselves on being on our multiculturalism. Uh, we had open-minded. We welcomed everyone into our country because we wanted to share with them the, the wonderful Paris of the Middle East that we had created. Uh, Beirut became the banking capital of the Middle East. The Switzerland of the Middle East, and we did not have any oil. Uh, we were good in business. We built the country in a very short period of time. You know, we got our independence at the, around the same time that Israel got its independence. You know, that's when the UN partitioned everything and everybody became, you know, independent and countries, and we went on building our nation. Uh, unfortunately, as the years went by, the Muslims became the majority and we became the minority. And simply because of the way they multiply, you know, Muslims have, you know, five, eight, ten children. They are allowed to marry multiple wives. We had a lot of Shiites in Lebanon who marry multiple wives. Uh, they have, you know, five, eight children out of each wife. You know, we, the Christians, would have two, three children from the time they're born. We start thinking about where we're going to send them to school, what type of education we're going to give them, what type of life we're going to give them. So, you know, move 30, 40 years, and then all of a sudden, you know, they became the majority and we became the minority. The situation was always maintained in Lebanon until Lebanon accepted a wave of Palestinian refugees into the country. Mm. And this is after King Hussein kicked them out of Jordan in the okay. early 70s when they tried to overthrow the king and create riots in Jordan. King Hussein 
bulldoze killed almost 30,000 of them in Black September. Mm-hmm. And Lebanon was the only country to accept the third wave of Palestinian refugees. That was that was and, ni- 1970, uh, Black September 1970. That's right. That's right. We yeah. accepted them. Uh, they came into the country. And that was the beginning of the end of Lebanon. They put their head together with the Muslims in Lebanon. Uh, they had a shared value of hating the Jews. And mm-hmm. they wanted to use our democracy. You know, Lebanon is a republic exactly like the United States. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know that either. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because when you think of the Middle East, you think all these countries, you can identify you know, every country with one man or one royal family. You know, the, the Arabic countries are tribes with flags, um, mm-hmm. the way I call them. And so mm-hmm. Lebanon is very different. We are a republic. And the Palestinians used our democracy to destroy our democracy. They wanted to create a base from Lebanon from which to fight the Jews, kill them and throw them into the sea, something they tried to do in Jordan but failed because of the dictatorship of the king but they were able to do in Lebanon. Wow. And it, that's it, when my life changed. You know, a uh, couple of quick things here. One thing, I went to high school in the 70s with uh, with a girl and I, at that time I was I was not a saved believer. I didn't I was just you know just a teenager, didn't know what was going on and uh, there we actually one of my classmates was uh, a Palestinian girl who had uh, you know her family had been forced in out of the camps of Jordan and I didn't know her well, but when I talked to her, there was obviously a lot of anger and hate. Uh, uh, she she very actively, unfortunately, just you know had immediately a number of things to say about the Jews that were not nice. But I didn't know any better at the time. Um, and the Jordan, I, Jordan has been a wonderful, wonderful American ally, and I've worked with them very closely when I've been in Iraq and other other places of the Middle East. No, no, I'm I'm looking at a map of Lebanon. Whereabouts were, were you in Lebanon? Uh, whereabouts did you grow up? North, south, in Beirut? South Lebanon, two and a half miles from the Israeli border. So the oh. shelling now that's happening between Israel and Lebanon is in my area where I grew up. And my world changed in 1975 when the Palestinian radical Islamists were trying to take over South Lebanon to create a base from which to fight the Jews. And they attacked my hometown because we had a big military base above my home that they were trying to take, to occupy. Mm. And in order to hit the military base, they tried to bomb it but 14 bombs missed the military place and landed in my home. So my 9-11 happened to me, John, in 1975, when Palestinian radical Islamists blew up my home, burying me under the rubble wounded. And I ended up in a hospital for two and a half months. And as I laid in a hospital bed, going from one surgery to another, I would ask my my father, my parents, why did they do this to us? And my parents would tell me, because we are Christians, they consider us infidels and they want to kill us because I lived in a Christian town. So I knew since I was a 10-year-old little girl that I am wanted dead simply because I was born into the Christian faith and lived in a Christian town. Uh, I ended up leaving the hospital and coming back home, but my home was no longer the home I left. I ended up living in a bomb shelter underground in an eight by 10 room without electricity, without water, 
and very little food. And that's where I lived for the next seven years of my life, robbed mm. of my youth. Mm. And I remember our town fell in the hands of the Palestinians for about six months. And they were able to take over that military base. And the they split the army and have the Christians who drove any tank, drove their tank and took it to the Christian town next to us. So hmm. for six months, we were controlled by the Palestinians. And I remember them, John, we were three families hiding in our bomb shelter. And the Palestinians were rolling their Jeep with their RPG launchers, shooting it at Israel. And they would park it in front of our bomb shelter specifically because they knew we were nine children in that bomb shelter. We were three families. I was the oldest of the nine. And they would wanted to shell Israel. And my mother would go out and beg them, please, we have nine children in this bomb shelter. Please, you know Israel is going to shell back. You know they're going to hit back. You're going to drive your truck away and they're going to hit us. And they would not listen. One guy shot my mother between her feet. He told her, because she threatened him, I'm going to go to your leader. I'm going to report you to your leader. They need to know that we are we have children in this bomb shelter. And he literally shot. He told her, you take one more step, I will shoot you. And thank God we had a neighbor uh, at that time who was a communist that he was working with the Palestinian. He said, look, this is a family that has done a lot of good for the town. Leave them alone. Move it, you know, sh shoot it from somewhere else. So they moved it to our neighbor's house. And sure enough, Israel shot back and destroyed our neighbor's home. Um, but so I was used as a human shield. So I understand mm -hmm. how these people, the Palestinians have no regard to human life. They have no regard for children. The end justifies the means. Children, people dying, that's just collateral damage for the cause. Um, you know, I remember the, the Christians came in where they were able to kick the Palestinians out of our town. And I remember three years into our bomb shelter, my father would say, oh, the world is going to wake up and see what the Palestinians are doing to the Christians in Lebanon. You know, America's going to come. Australia's going to come. Canada's going to come. Britain, France, all these big Christian countries are going to come save the Christians after mm. they were hearing the atrocities, the massacres that the Palestinians were committing in Lebanon. And nobody came. And I remember, John, I was 13 years old. And one night, one of our uh, militia friends stopped by and he said, Look, I just want you to know that we heard a lot of chatter on the radio tonight and we believe we're going to be attacked. And he said, I don't think we're going to last. Um, we're going to be able to fend them off. He said, if I don't see you tomorrow, I wish you a merciful death. And he left. Mm. And I remember, John, putting on my Sunday best, my Easter dress, because I wanted to look pretty when I am dead, knowing that when they come to slaughter me, there would be no one to bury me. Mm. And I remember we had a ceasefire for two hours. And I remember standing in front of the mirror as my mother combed my long black hair down to my hips. And she dyed a white ribbon in my hair. And I remember sobbing, begging her, I don't want to die. Please do something. I don't want to die. I'm only 13 years old. Please do something. And there was nothing my mother could say. And we just sat in the corner of our bomb shelter. And my father started reading from Psalms. I shall walk into the valley of death and hear and fear no evil, for thou art with me. And my parents said to me, when they come to slaughter us tonight, we will create a distraction. We just, we, we are old couple. You are a young child. We'll create a distraction. And you just run towards the Israeli border and don't look back. 
because you see, we live two and a half miles from the Israeli border. Mm-hmm. And we, you, if we go to the Jews and beg for help, the Jews are not going to slaughter us because as Christians, we had more shared values with them than we had with the Muslims who were surrounded, surrounding us to slaughter us. And so thank God I did not have to make that decision that night because that's the night when Israel came in physically into Lebanon and mm-hmm. established the security zone. They came in 30 kilometers into the country, established right. the security zone, set up artillery bases on the hills surrounding mm-hmm. our town. And that's how we stayed alive. And so Israel would take the Christians uh, into Israel, the Christian young men, teach them how to fight, train them on weaponry, because, you know, the Christians in Lebanon were the educated ones. We were not the street fighters. We were not the gang, you know, kids. We just mm-hmm. went to school. We studied. We lived in good homes. And um, and this went on for another five years until 1982, when Israel invaded Lebanon, working with the Christians in Lebanon uh, at that time, trying to help the Christians take back their democracy, their republic, and kick out the radical Islamic element that had grown in the country at that time because Mm -hmm. by 1982 we had 11 islamic terrorist organizations operating out of lebanon including the plo and that's how israel came in all the way to beirut kicked out the palestinian the radical you know palestinians headed by yasser arafat and his cronies obviously not all of them and that's how we came out of the bomb shelter uh, and back to rebuilding our lives um, and that was such an important time because by 1979, you know, Iran, the mm-hmm. Mullahs had power in Iran. So by 1982-83, Iran looked at Lebanon and they realized, you know, we've got all these Islamic factions operating in the country. Why don't we group them all together, call them the party of Allah, Hezbollah, mm-hmm. and let's make them work together mm-hmm. in the cause of Allah. And that's when Hezbollah started in 1983, and that's when Iran started organizing them. Yeah. Now, when 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 did you? A couple of quick things here. When did you come to America? And there was an event, uh, and I apologize. It was uh, an assassination of the president um, uh, in 1976. Was it in in? So, what time did you? When did you come here? And 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 what, what was that event that took place actually, that really changed things? Uh, actually. Um, uh, um, President Bashir, President elect Bashir Jumail, who was very loved by the Christians, he was actually trained in Israel. He was one of the Christians, and his troops who also went to Israel got trained and came back. So they wanted to do peace with Israel. The Christians in Lebanon, being a minority and being persecuted, we knew we had a lot in common with the Jews. We love business, we love life, we share the same Bible, and we wanted to do peace. So in 1983. Uh, 84, the um, Palestinians assassinated Bashir Jumail, knowing that when he became president-elect, the first order of business was signing a peace treaty with Israel. Actually, when, and that's what changed things around. Once they assassinated him, everything changed. I remember, Jim, I went to Israel in 1984 to work as news anchor for World News. That was in December of 1984 when I started, and I worked in Israel from 1984 till 1989. But from December of 1984 till um, June of 1985, when I was working in Israel, in Jerusalem, there was also a Lebanese embassy in Jerusalem, 
with an American flag, with a Lebanese flag flying right across, the offices were right across from the Knesset. And it was the Lebanese forces, the Christian forces in Lebanon, who worked to deal with Israel at that time, because once Bashir, uh, uh, Bashir Jumayel became president-elect, we were moving fast onto signing a peace treaty. The first order of business was to sign a peace treaty. That's when they opened up the embassy in Jerusalem. And so when I went to Israel, even a year after they assassinated him, the embassy was still open. But unfortunately, as the time went by, you know, and the Syrians were taking control of the country and the Christians were losing power because the the the, the, the Muslims and the Syrians divided the Christians. And that's how um, we lost control of the country. The embassy closed in Jerusalem. And that was the end of the peace hope between Israel and Lebanon. Wow. Wow. Oh, that is uh, what a journey. What a journey from that growing up a small girl, right? Uh, within walking distance of the Israeli border and seeing that transformation. And uh, this is why uh, uh, it's because uh, I, I remember Black September and I remember what happened and uh you know i know i know the arab states i know they they know as soon as they let the uh the palestinians in it's it's over and that's really what many ways destroyed uh destroyed lebanon um uh, uh brigitte that's just absolutely fascinating uh we're we're about to pass to our uh, uh our next segment here but thank you very much compelling uh background a lot of it i didn't know about i i knew you came from lebanon but that's about it i didn't know a whole lot so thank you for sharing with us and uh we're going to come back here uh very shortly this is a uh, colonel rat john on the national security hour with lady uh brigitte gabriel and uh, we'll be right back The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. 
Welcome back, everyone. This is Colonel Rhett John, Colonel Retired John Mills, which is an absolutely fascinating. Uh, uh, tonight, I have Lady Brigitte Gabrielle, and we just kind of went over uh, some of her uh, background and uh, where she grew up and her experiences in Lebanon and the conflicts there in the 70s and 80s. Uh, very, very moving. So, um, uh, Brigitte, what I wanted to talk about is uh, what's going on with the conflict in the Middle East. And, you know, a lot of a lot of average Americans that don't don't kind of really understand what's going on there, their immediate gut reaction is, oh, it's just kind of the same old thing that's been going on for decades. But I, I just, this is, this is very different. Uh, this whole thing, there's tentacles, there's puppet masters, and this is, this is very different. So what do you, what do you think of, of what's going on in the Middle East right now? The reason why this is very different, John, is because of the weapons involved, the weaponry that's involved that did not exist 50 years ago, that did not exist 100 years ago. So while the conflict, yeah, it's the same, they've been fighting each other for 2,000 years. 2,000 years ago, they did not have um, um, guided missiles. 2,000 years ago, they did not have nuclear heads. 2,000 years ago or 200 years ago, they did not have the weaponry we are dealing with today that can cause mass destruction and mass loss of a human life. This is why this is different. So in the old days, they fought with the swords and they fought with rocks. Today, the fighting, and while in the old days, the problem was contained to that region only, literally to that region. It didn't even affect the whole continent. It was just the region. In today's world, in 2023 world that we live in, the world is very small. You have the internet. You have people can communicate messages to each other, uh, 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 dream up operation uh, that can drag the whole world into war. Uh, right now, we have Iran involved. We have China involved. We have Russia involved. We have not just those little Israelis and the Palestinians fighting in Gaza and Jerusalem. Right now, you have the Palestinians and the Israelis fighting in Gaza and Israel that have already brought in with it that superpowered the United States of America. You've got another uh, superpower that's getting involved, China. You've got Iran, who's developing nuclear weapons, and Israel is their sworn enemy, and rest assured, the minute they finish that uh, nuclear weapon, if they have it, they would use it without even blinking. You and I know that. So that's why this fight this time is very different than any other time. And Israel existed for 70 years. And for 70 years, Israel had the upper hand, no matter what happened, even when the Arabic countries attacked in 1967. And then in 1973, they were unable to defeat Israel. The Jews were very smart, very organized, very united, especially after the Holocaust, and they fought viciously to defend themselves. During that fight, whether it's in 1967 or 1973, the Arabic armies lost the war. And because they lost the war, um, that's why they agreed to sign a peace treaty with Israel. That's exactly why uh, Egypt, Sadat at that time realized, you know, Egypt was the biggest country in the Middle East. He said, we can't defeat them. We might as well have peace with them. And that's exactly why he signed the peace treaty with them. He thought they're not going anywhere. We're either going to spend generations fighting them or we might as well get along. Mm -hmm. And that's why he flew in and had a peace with them. Later, Jordan followed because Jordan realized okay, Egypt signed a peace deal, let's sign a peace deal. And they normalized relations. 
Today, you've got Palestinians and you've got Arabic countries looking at Iran, which is becoming Goliath, which is becoming definitely stronger, much more respectable on the Arab street than Saudi Arabia, than Egypt, than Jordan, than any of these countries. And you've got now um, uh, the people on the street looking up to, uh, to Iran and saying, hey, we like this. We hate the Jews anyway. The Jews are the enemies of Islam. And if we have a chance of wiping them off the map or at least fighting them and defeating them, why not? And that's why right now you see the Arabic street feeling so empowered. Even the Palestinians, even the Palestinians in the West Bank after the October 7th massacre uh, were saying, um, you know, telling everybody, if you have a rifle, because, you know, they all have rifles, they shoot in the air in celebration of weddings. If you have a rifle, you either donate it to Hamas or you shoot an Israeli yourself because they realize we don't like our Fatah leadership. They're not fighting the Jews the way they should. They're actually in the pockets of the Jews. We want Hamas to represent us. And that's why you saw a lot of killing in the West Bank uh, right after the October 7th attack. So so a lot of a lot of uh, Americans don't kind of realize the groupings here. Hamas is the dominant group that really uh, took over once the Israelis left from the Gaza Strip. That, that rectangle, it's slightly on its side, roughly about 15 miles long, about seven to 10 miles wide. So that's Hamas. And that's their, 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 uh, they are a contractor or a uh, subcontractor. For, they're, they're a proxy for Iran. Now, the West Bank, um, and I don't know what it is, if it's called the, the, the Occupied West Bank, but it, that's a different group. And then in the north, uh, where Brigitte uh, grew up, that's Hezbollah, which is, uh, as, as Brigitte has described, a, uh, a grouping of a number of factions, including the Palestinians. So, and, and so in the West Bank, what is that still, is there still Israeli security forces there, or is that totally self governing on that West Bank? Well, actually, I would like to clarify a little bit more, uh, Jim, because a lot of people, you're right, you are correct. A lot of people, you know, they're hearing those names and really do not understand what's the big brouhaha all about. Oh, they've been fighting each other. You see, in 1967, when the PLO was founded, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO was founded in 1964. Mm -hmm. At that time, Gaza was Egypt. Mm -hmm. An Egyptian flag was flying over Gaza. Jordan, uh, the West Bank was Jordan. A Jordanian flag was flying over the Al-Aqsa Mosque, not Palestinian. So the Palestinian Liberation Organization that was founded in 1964, three years before Israel took Gaza or the West Bank, the PLO was founded to eradicate Israel of the face of the map of the earth. They were fighting to eradicate the, the, the Jews from existing in the Middle East. Those territories that they're fighting over right now, Gaza and the West Bank, were not occupied territories. Mm -hmm. They were Jordanian and Egyptian territories. That's who Israel took the territories from. So how come Jordan and Egypt are not screaming, we want back our land? That Jordan doesn't want to have anything to do with them. They're like, okay, the West Bank, they can keep it. Those Palestinians are nothing but a pain in the neck. Gaza, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Egypt didn't even want Gaza. Egypt's yeah. like, no, keep it. We don't want it. We don't want to have anything to do with it. It's yours. You know, you mess with it. So right now, when you hear the Palestinians screaming, um, you know, the occupied territory is 75 years of occupation. 
No, it wasn't 75 years of occupation. It was Gaza and Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaza and Jordan. So mm-hmm. right now, actually, the people, if they, if you really want to talk about occupied territories, it's the Egyptian who should be raising hell, and it's the Jordanian who should be raising hell. Not the Palestinians. The Palestinian is just a name given to anybody that lived in that territory. Even the Jews held Palestinian passports because that territory was called Palestine. Mm-hmm. Now, Lebanon is a country. It is mm-hmm. still a country. Uh, Hezbollah just happened to mushroom within the country because of all the radical Islamic terrorist organizations that propped up because of the Palestinians coming to Lebanon and growing. And what bonded them together is this hatred against the Jews. Look at him. I was a Christian raised in the Middle East. And if you are a Christian raised anywhere in the Middle East, you grew up with this phrase. First, we kill the Jews, then we come for the Christians. First the Sabbath, first comes Saturday, then comes Sunday. And that's what that means. So we all knew once they kill the Jews, they want to kill us too. So every Christian in the Middle East knows that their day is coming. We are basically living as protected demi status in any uh, Arabic country, except for Lebanon, which had a a president who's a Christian. Um, And... You know, we were majority Christians, so we orchestrated, we designed our representation based, our constitution based as a government represented by the people. And that's why we wanted to be fair. So we gave the Sunni, the prime minister is a Sunni, uh, you know, um, the presidency is for the um, um, the Christians, the Maronite. And we divided the country based on how many numbers per group. So every group will have the proper representation. But again, once the Muslims grew, that's exactly how they destroyed, they destroyed our republic. Well, that's uh, a couple of things here. Uh, one is the role of China and what I see as a as a, a really coming to know China and focusing on China since 2007 is it's all about uh, this is all about China. Uh, China looks at, at Iran as a proxy, China, Russia, uh, Venezuela, North Korea. They're proxies to help destabilize and topple America. Also, th- th- so I think that's the important thing. And 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 also, my I think there's there's a lot of uh, uh, around this and a lot of fact around this is is Yasser Arafat was in many ways a creation of the Soviets uh, to destabilize the Middle East and uh, the 1964 letter and. Yasser Arafat, it was it was the KGB who really saw an opportunity to sow hate and discontent in Palestine. Some people get kind of worked up about this. I'm sorry. As you've been talking about, Palestine was never a country, never a state, never had borders, never had a constitution. Right. It didn't really exist. And uh um the and I've got to know the Arab liaison officers and attaches uh in part of my duties and uh, talked with them very openly behind closed doors with uh Israel and Lebanon. Uh and uh th- there's one thing they all agree upon. The real enemy in the Middle East is Iran, and the Palestinians are nothing but trouble. They'll they'll when they see their Arab street getting upset, they'll kind of make some statements to placate them, but in the end, they will never take them. So what what do you see as far as China's role in all of this violence? What do you see about that? Uh, look, China is trying to create and be a counterbalance to the United States. This is their opportunity, and they are trying to seize their opportunity. I mean, 
when when Joe Biden walked into the White House, all the axes of evil worldwide, Iran, Russia, China, North Korea, they said, okay, we've got four year window of opportunity. This is our window. If we're going to do anything, if we're going to take any territory, if we're going to create reestablish power, this is what we need to do right now. We've got four years to do it, four years to do it. So what you are witnessing right now is truly, literally a shifting of world powers. Mm. And so Iran, China is trying to create a counterbalance to the United States, working with Russia, North Korea, working together, Iran, trying to destabilize not just the Middle East, but the world. But they're using the Middle East because the Middle East is basically the the thorn in the flesh of the world because the Middle East manages to export problems to the rest of the world. So when you look at what was exported, even in the just in the terrorism issue out of the Middle East, you have the ideology of radical Islam that have exported terrorism. Hezbollah committed uh, terrorist attacks on four continents across the globe. It is the same ideology that drives the Al-Shabaab in in, uh, in Sudan, mm-hmm. in Africa. So you see the same ideology that drives radicalism all across the globe. And so China is looking and saying, okay, we've got to do whatever we have to do. And we're going to now uh, uh, look at all the people that hate America and everybody that America supports. And we're going to try to group them, become their friend, create coalitions, create relationship, create cooperation, create business deals. Look at the business deals between China and Iran. Look at the contracts to the billions Mm -hmm. of dollars that they have with each other. So right now you are seeing the marriage of the axis of evil coming together and producing offsprings, whether it's in economic whether it's in banking, whether it's in finance, whether it's in whatever business relationship that they are creating together because they want to be the new leader in the world. And I'm afraid, Jim, uh, John, that um, with with the senile president that we have sitting at the White House right now, you know, a year is a very long time. And a lot of things can happen in one year. And I'm afraid uh, for the direction of the world in this next year until President Trump comes back to power. Uh, hopefully, we're praying, keeping our fingers crossed. And uh, and now, I mean, we just uh, our country is standing on a cliff. Yeah. The uh, and oh, by the way, it looks like the main negotiator for the Iran deal was uh, looking like Rob Malley was looking like he's a, him and his two. Uh, lieutenants were agents of Iran. Absolutely shameful. I mean, we don't want to, uh, I don't think they've been formally charged yet, but uh, uh, it's it's looking awfully like they were, uh, right. were Iranian and, you know, agents. We're talking about, and we've been talking about this for years, Robert Malley. Look, when Obama was running for president, Robert Malley went to Gaza and the West Bank, and he worked with the Palestinian and told them, if you vote, if you encourage your folks in America to vote for Obama, Obama's going to be good for the Palestinians. They had phone banks out of Gaza calling the United States in 2007, 2008, telling Muslims in Michigan to vote for Obama because he will be better for the Palestinian cause. By the way, before the end of the segment, I want to make sure I plug Act for America, my organization. I want people to go to actforamerica.org, A-C-T-F-O-R, America.org. 
we want we have the multiple act now campaigns one of them is stop that any palestinian refugees from coming to the united states the democrats are already speaking about the humanitarian disaster they want to bring palestinian refugees from gaza into america we want to make sure we nip that in the bud before they even start go to actforamerica.org click on act now Take action on that campaign and also take action to stand with Israel and the many campaigns that we have on the website, actforamerica.org. Please go there right now. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, Act for America is an absolutely outstanding organization. That's how I got to know uh, Brigitte and uh, her wonderful work of her and her her uh, group uh, have just been the, the, the different uh, Act Now uh, causes they put on are very impactful, very effective, and encourage everybody to to visit their site, uh, donate, participate. Uh, but yeah, Brigitte, you and your organization have been just wonderful. So uh, thank you so much. That uh, that wraps up this segment, and we'll be right back with our final segment with Lady uh, Brigitte Gabriel. This is Colonel Rhett John, Colonel Retired John Mills on the National Security Hour. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Hello, everyone. Colonel Rhett John, Colonel Retired John Mills, National Security Hour, having an absolutely wonderful uh, guest, Lady Brigitte Gabrielle, and uh, who uh, leads a, a uh, Act for America and uh, just absolutely great organization. And she puts out some great messages on Substack. I'd also really encourage you to go to, to go to um, uh, Substack and uh, read the uh, read the 
join and uh, just some great messages. So, uh, Brigitte, uh, we're as a result of the violence, but maybe it was already there anyway. We're seeing a lot of upheaval uh, uh, in in America. So, what do you what do you think is the connection? Who's behind this? And what are what are we're in the bow wave of something? What is it? Well, the enemy is coming right out in the open. They are no longer hiding it. They are telling us exactly what they want, what they want to do, how they feel. I mean, look, I do not know if you saw the clip from New York with the imam standing saying, you know, Allahu Akbar, Islam will dominate. You know, we, you know, have no embarrassment. We want Islam. Right here in New York City, they are screaming this. This is a pro-Palestinian rally. And when you see all these rioters, uh, I mean, look, we saw the the pro-Palestinian rally in Washington, D.C., graffiti on our monuments, shaking the the wall of the White House, you know, the fence of the White House. I mean, you would think this is an insurrection, uh, what they're trying to do. But these are the exact type of people and these are the people that share the same ideology of those who attacked the world trade center back in 2001 in 2001 america had had warning after warning after warning with the terrorists attacking us and telling us what they want to do to us and we refuse to listen right now it's the same people who hate america because of the same cause remember osama bin laden attacked america because of the israeli-palestinian conflict because of the america the way america was treating uh the muslims in the middle east because the way america was standing up with israel against the muslims of the middle east those were his reasons for attacking the united states on 9 11. so right now when you see the anger on the streets of america all across the country, from San Francisco to Florida to Washington, D.C. to Oregon, anywhere else in the nation, when you see the anger and the hatred coming out, and especially when you see the youth who don't really know much about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I mean, John, I mean, John, you and I are embarrassed when we hear our youth talking nowadays. I mean, they're bimbos. Uh, who can't even, uh, you show them the globe and say, okay, show me where Sudan is. They can't even point the finger to where Sudan is, is on the map. A lot of them can't even point the finger where Israel is on the map. Yet they are marching on the streets, demanding justice for Palestine. They don't even know their own history in the United States, let alone the history in Palestine and the Palestinian territories. And that's the scary part. The scary part is they are so emotionally enraged about an issue they do not know, and they're mm-hmm. letting their emotion take control of them. And, and, and where, 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 do, where do they get their news from? What's the primary source of their news? Uh, that's right. TikTok. Oh, yep. Yep. TikTok, uh, uh, the Comedy Central. Instagram. Uh, I mean, it's it's crazy, but this is the generation that we have today, and they do not want to do their due diligence. They don't want to understand the problem. Don't confuse me with the fact that I already have my mind made up. But this has been the result of of decades of the wrong education in our public schools, in our colleges. Look, 
I've been talking about this since 2006. In my book, They Must Be Stopped, I have a whole chapter titled The Fifth Column on Our American Universities. And I talk about the money being pumped in from the Middle East into our universities, setting up Middle East study departments and political science departments and appointing Arab professors who are anti-America and anti-Israel to teach that Israel is evil, America is bad, and, and, and the Islamic world is the, uh, is the underdog. In 2008, I not only covered the colleges, but in 2008, in my second book, They Must Be Stopped, I, I had a whole chapter titled Education or Indoctrination, mm -hmm. where I talked about what they're doing in school in grade, you know, in the uh, grade six through 12, and the brainwashing happening there. So when you look at the kids today, you know, an overnight success takes 20 years. This did not just start. They've been doing it. But when we were talking about it, when I was talking about it, it was like talking about the weather. People did not want to believe this is happening in our schools. They did not want to believe it. Act for America, my organization, in 2012, issued a report titled Education or Indoctrination. And we hired, a, we mailed it to 70,000 elected school board officials nationwide. And we said, how could you put up with this education? We hired the PR agency out of D.C., uh, um, um, Shirley Bannister. Uh, um, I forgot the name, Bannister and something. And Shirley and Bannister, we paid them $10,000 a month for a six-month contract to help us promote What's happening in our schools so parents would be aware. I went on talk radio. We did a huge PR campaign for six months saying, look what's happening in our schools. This was 12 years ago. Nobody wanted to believe it. People said, no, you're making this stuff up. There's no way this could be happening in our schools. There's no way they could be teaching this in our schools. People accused me of being a liar and refused to listen to what I was warning about what's happening in six through uh, 12 uh, education. Yeah. You and were, you, you were, you were way ahead of your time. And yeah. uh, as uh, Rush Limbaugh would say, the little mush heads have just been fed nothing but Howard's in uh, yeah. history. It's, it's very, it's, it's very sad. And it's one of the things we have to change is the K through 12 system. It's just absolutely crazy. And then who are, a lot, make up a lot of the crazies on the street, whether it's Antifa, the same people are Antifa, uh, became uh, suddenly they were Palestinian protesters. That's and right. and uh, it's uh, unfortunately, I'm they not. They came a, together. Yeah, they came, came together. We have Act Now campaigns on our website about education, uh, about parental rights and education. We're trying to change what's happening in the education system. I encourage people to go to ACT now and check out our campaigns. You can, uh, by category, you can research, you know, camp education, and you'll get all the state campaigns as well as the national campaigns. And I say the state campaigns because we are working on bills in different states regarding education. So no matter where you are listening to us right now, and I know, uh, Colonel, we've got people from all over the country listening right now to this show no matter what state you live in all politics are local we need you engaged it's not enough to be educated what you're listening to right now is entertainment for your entertainment you're getting educated this show's not changing anything other than educating you the only way things change is by action education is important but it is not sufficient 
education must be coupled with action. Go to actforamerica.org right now. Take this education, what we're talking about, the information, and take action to impact policy that will change the direction of our country. And you can do that on the national level and at the state level. That's why I named the organization Act for America. Now, think about America, not hope for America, not wish for America, not pray for America, but act for America. Because you can wish and hope and think and pray, but without action, nothing happens. I spent a lot of time uh, uh, in meetings with, with you and your organization over the, over the last few years, and I was very impressed on action, action, action. Uh, so that, that's that's really good. Do you think it's going to get more violent as we uh, move into 2024? Do you think uh, it's going to become uh, even worse? Where, where are we headed with all of this? The sad reality, John, you and I both know the answer to this question, and I think all our listeners know the answer to this question. It's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any more peaceful. The radicals on the street are getting more enraged. They have lost all sense of reason. They don't want to listen to reason. They are not interested in the facts. The facts do not matter to them. What matters is how I feel. It's Mm -hmm. all about feelings. Feelings matter. Facts don't. If the facts make me feel bad, I don't want those facts. I want to change them. I want new facts that will fit how I feel so I can feel better. So you have a whole generation that was peppered since they were children because everybody got a trophy, nobody failed, everybody passed. We did not want to hurt the feelings of our little students by making them fail and repeat their class a couple of years until they are actually qualified to be able to go to the next step. So we did that with a generation that got promoted year after year after year without merit without putting the work that is required in order for you to learn, in order for you to become a full capable human being who is an asset to society. And as a result, we have a generation of adults as well as young adults who have no, who have lost their way, who feel, who think with their emotion, not their brain. We have rendered their brain useless and their emotion are the muscles by which they fight the world. So if they are uncomfortable about something, they take it to the street and they justify hitting, abusing, violence, even killing in the name of justice, because in their mind, if I stand for justice, I feel good about myself and I have nothing else to feel good about. So I'm going to join a cause that's going to make me feel good. And the left has perfected selling our youth the narrative of the underdog are treated unjustly by the rich, by white people, uh, by the Jews, and the underdogs are the people with brown skin, immigrants, migrants, you know, not immigrants, because you could be in a, a, an immigrant who's Indian and successful, but they'll call you white supremacist. Yeah, but, yeah, isn't that you know, crazy? So it's crazy. Uh, the way they, you know, they talk. So we are going to see more violence. 
we are going to see lawlessness. I think the 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 uh, what do you what do you call it? The chicken have come home to roost or whatever. When you defund the police in all the major cities, especially lefty cities, you're going to end up with violence. And I just pray the country stays together until we can get President Trump back in office, um, who can bring the country together. Well, yeah. no, let me change. Let me change the last phrase. He's not going to bring the country together. He's going to fix things that a lot of people are not going to like, but he's going to put rules in place and laws such as if you destroy a national monument, your tush is going to rot in jail for 10 years. And he's going to put in place a deterrent, whether it's a border wall that the left is going to go crazy, they're not going to like, or whatever it is, he's going to secure the nation. The left are going to hate it, but it's going to be good for the nation. Yeah. I uh, I I think it's going to be a lot worse than no, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a lot yeah. worse than 2020. Yeah. yeah. If you thought 2020 was bad, uh, just get ready because it's the same psychology, same personalities. I'm not a hater of the public school system, but I always point to Andy No's analysis in Portland. Most of the Antifers, it was like 60 to 80 percent were public school teachers and staff and faculty what's up with that i mean it just it's nothing but a breeding ground for hate and discontent That's i'm all right. i'm all for all forms of education i'm not a hater of the public school system but we got to do something about this very high correlation it's real um, so we, we got about three minutes left here. Uh, we talked uh, again. You're with Act for America, and uh, you. What, 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 I I just have you linked on Substack, so I don't. What, what's the title of your Substack? Is it Act? It's I, Act, Act I, for America. I'm sorry, my mind just went blank because all I think. People need to go to actforamerica.org, actforamerica.org, and sign up to receive our alerts and action uh, emails. We have over 2 million members. We have helped pass 210 bills on the federal level and the state level. We have activists in 98% of U.S. counties. So there are 3,143 counties in the United States. We have activists on the ground in 3,070 counties. So I know there are people near you, no matter where you are now in America, who are members of Act for America. Join us, start a chapter in your community. If there is no chapter, join a chapter. Go to actforamerica.org and sign up to receive our emails and action alerts. Uh, you've done a lot of great work in uh, legislation and uh, really appreciate that. Um, thank so, you. yeah, yeah, thank you. And uh, uh, we're, we're, not to reveal our exact locations, we learned that we both live in the state of Virginia here. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, that's that's where we're at. I I live uh, and I and I, I work with you, you and your staff regularly, and you know I, I live in a county that used to be deep red, and I just I was always focused at the national level, and uh, you know the the county just kind of went away, and 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 you know, I'm not trying to be political, but it just it it went crazy. We tried to take the school board back. I I think it was the first time we really tried to take the school board back this last election cycle. It didn't go well, uh, but we got to just keep at it. Uh, and the school board is, uh, as, as you point out, Brigitte, that's really where we. As, local as, or 
organize local activism at the local level. The problem with the right is they want to get educated. They don't want to be active. The left want to be active. They don't want to be educated. <laughs> you stop any 22-year-old young socialist nitwit and tell them, tell me, why are you a socialist? They can't even tell you why they are a socialist. But by golly, they are excited. They are ready to fight. They are ready to show up at the city council, at the school board, at the, you know, downtown demonstrate, go up to Washington, D.C. and lobby. You, The Republicans, you talk to the Republicans. Oh, Brigitte, I'm learning about this issue. I'm very, I've been reading a lot of articles about this issue. I'm listening to a lot of talk radio talk about these issues. They want to be educated, but they're not willing to take action and be engaged. You know, remember when, when the left launched talk radio a few years ago and it didn't go anywhere and it mm -hmm, failed? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we on the right, the right went, ha, 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 ha. Nobody wants to listen to them. They failed miserably. You know why they failed? Because the, Rep the Democrats are engaged. They want to do something. Give me something that can impact policy. They're not into it to be entertained. They're into it to impact policy and action. Our side want to sit in their car while they're driving, listening to talk radio, or when they have an hour to kill, they open up their iPad, they listen to a news show because they want to get educated. And then the end of the show, everybody got entertained. They go back home. They talk to their friends. Oh, my gosh, I listened to this interview. It was fantastic. Did you know I learned about such and such? And that's the end of the conversation. They whine, they complain, and they say, oh, we're going to go vote on election day. And then they wonder why we are losing elections and why we are losing our locality. So yeah. after this show, we're going to make sure you're going to be engaged and you're going to be active. Go to actforamerica.org right now. Notice I didn't give you the Substack address because I don't want you to go read. I want you to go to actforamerica.org right now. Sign up as an activist. Sign up to receive our action alerts. Start a chapter in your community. You will receive our emails because we will send you our emails. But we want to make sure you are signed up to get our action alerts. Great, great. Lady Brigitte Gabriel, it was just an honor to spend time with you, talk with you, get to know you a little, little better here. And uh, next time I'm in your neighborhood, I will definitely let you know. It turns out I, we were down there. Yes. Uh, uh, so uh, so we'll definitely uh, we'll get if they get together. But I, I thank you so much and uh, for your your your, your story and your action 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 focus and i know you you uh, you've been doing that with act for america for a number of years and you you were you were calling the shots long before uh, you saw it coming so thank you so much uh brigitte uh so thank, thank you, you. Colonel. thank you such a pleasure being with you and i wish you and your family a very happy holiday oh thank you thank you happy thanksgiving merry christmas thank you thanksgiving merry uh, christmas exactly uh, uh, everyone this is uh, Colonel Rhett John and uh, had uh, Lady Brigitte Gabriel, an absolutely fantastic uh, show. Uh, everyone have a great, uh, great uh, uh, holiday season, Christmas season and Thanksgiving. And Colonel Rhett John on the National Security Hour on America Out Loud News Network. <laughs> <laughs>